who's ready for a podcast? Hey, if, guys. <laughs> if anybody answered, I was going to be so upset. <laughs> this is yet another special episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, as always, TV's Noel Hulahan, and I'm joined by the lovely Laura Ashley from Pretty Nerdy Things. Thank you for joining me, Laura. Um, not the something to your something? Um, those are meant to be insulting to Will. <laughs> so I don't want to insult you. But uh, we're just going to kind of hang out and uh, and talk about 2016 and uh, what's going on hopefully in 2017. A little bit of a review and uh, a state of the union for Plus Two Comedy. That's uh, Troy Will's not here. It's going to be serious oh. talk about uh, Plus Two Comedy. There's Real also, talk. There's also a test to see if Will listens to these, which I don't think he does. Uh, so Will, the password is avocado. Avocado. So, uh, before we get started, I, of course, have to say that this episode of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast is brought to you by K&N Air Filters. K&N Air Filters are the official air filters of NASCAR. These easy-to-install air filters will be the last air filter you will have to buy for your vehicle thanks to the K&N Air Filters Million Mile Limited Warranty. I want you to go to knfilters.com slash podcast and get a great deal on air filters and a free hat. The link is, of course, available in the low, or you can just go to knfilters.com slash podcast. And uh, we had some great upcoming shows that I guess we should be talking about with you guys. We will be at MAGFest. Yes, MAGFest, that is actually... I've been saying that it's Friday, and I lied to you guys. It's actually going to be on Thursday, January 5th, at 5 o'clock. So please come and see us at MAGFest. We will be doing an extra-long comedy show. It starts at 5 o'clock and rolls all the way to 10 o'clock. I will be there, Will will be there, Uncle Yo will be there. It'll be a fantastic time, so please come see us. And if you can't be there, of course, come see us at KatoriCon at... Not Rutgers Rowan College at Gloucester County College Uh, We will be doing two panels there as well We'll be doing the dating game and some stand-up comedy So please come see us If you don't have your tickets, it might already be sold out But please come and get your tickets For KatoriCon Because no tickets will be sold at the door Also on January 27th It will be Comedy with a Curveball At the Tap Room and Grill Presented by High Note Humor So if you're in the Haddonfield area, please come to the tap room and come see Comedy with a Curveball on January 27th. All right, so that's the housekeeping stuff. So that's all out of the way. So let, let's talk about this. KatoriCon tickets are available at eventbrite.com and do not appear to be sold out as of yet. At, at the time of this recording. Who knows when I'll actually put this on the internet. It's New Year's Day. <laughs> Don't date the episode. So... uh we got a lot to talk about. Uh, first off, when it comes to this podcast, if you guys are a fan of this podcast and you're looking forward to new episodes of this podcast, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, coming up in the next couple weeks, we'll probably have two on the road with Plus Two Comedy episodes coming up uh, as we drive to and from MAGFest. Uh, and then I go to Disney. So you know what? Disney World. Yeah, we're going to Disney World. So we're not going to uh, be posting new uh, full episodes of the Plus Two Comedy Podcast until that's all handled. We are in the works of trying to find a new location. Uh, Hopefully that goes through, and I will have more details for you guys very soon. But uh, thank you for your patience, and thank you for listening to this, because we uh, we always appreciate the listenership. So let's talk 2016. Uh, (laughs) 
I know I don't want to, but that's what this podcast is about, so we have to. I've realized all the best things that happened to me in 2016 are paying for things that happened in 2017. Yeah. Like, I was like, I got Hamilton tickets for 2017. Yeah. Disney World. Oh, 2017. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I found out I might get to teach a class. 2017. 2017. (laughs) Well, at least it's 2017 now, so that's good. But I actually was trying to think back. I was like, all right, let's think back at the best moments of uh, 2016. And I found that a lot of the ones I was thinking of were uh, 2015. And I was just wrong. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, no. That, was, that wasn't last year. So let's, let's go through uh, step by step here. I think the best night was the night of the Tonys when Hamilton won all the Tonys. Yeah, Hamilton won all the Tonys. And I got That's Hamilton tickets. That was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so let, let's start with uh, let's start films. What do you think the best film was that you saw in uh, 2016? That I saw in 2016. Uh, we're seeing Moana tomorrow. Yes, and that I was feel a 2016 like movie. It was so. 2016 film, but since I haven't seen it, I've heard it's amazing, and I'm super excited to see it. I think the best movie we did not see a lot. I did not see a lot of movies I'm, this year. I, I thought about it a lot, and I was like, man, I don't think we saw. Half the movies we wanted to see. Yeah, because I know I missed Zootopia, and I usually never miss a Disney movie in theaters. Yeah, you, you, well, you I missed, missed Finding Dory. Finding Dory, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But And then I like I got sick right around Thanksgiving, so I just haven't been to the movies mm-hmm. since Space Jam. Yeah, we did go see Space Jam. <laughs> I saw Space, Space Jam, Jam in theaters. To theaters. That, was that your best movie of 2016 was Space Jam? No, I'm going to say it was Civil War. Civil War. Really? Yeah, I did not see a lot of movies in 2016. I did not w- see a lot of mo- movies in 2016 either. And I'm trying to think what the worst film I saw in 2016. And it might have been Civil War. Really? And that just goes to show that we didn't see enough movies. Because I Cause think... all the movies we tried to see, like, I never saw Batman versus Superman. I never saw Suicide Squad. I never saw the new Independence Day film. You didn't see The Purge. I didn't see The Purge. I think... I liked Ghostbusters, but I think it was objectively worse than Civil War. You know what? I'll agree with you. I think I think Ghostbusters might have been... And I really liked Ghostbusters, but like... I think the worst movie I watched this year was I Love You, Philip Morris, which was not a 2016 no, movie. No, it wasn't, but it was not a good film. But it was it was so pointless. It was also very clearly done from Ewan McGregor's character's point of view. And when I read about it later, like, that the man that's based on, he was heavily involved with the filming, which is why Ewan McGregor's character is blameless for everything. And, like, his crime kind of... Why he's in prison gets super glossed over. Yeah. It's very, very apparent. that It's like, no, I'm an angel. I was totally involved in this. The fact that it's a true story, I love you, Philip Morris, was the only reason that that movie should have existed. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just like, this is a very poorly told story. Oh, it's because it was what actually happened and thus does not follow correct movie structure. Yeah, the pa- I mean, you could have worked on the pacing of that movie, but they went from like zero. They had one very good montage where they fell in love, and then they never ever revisited what was good about their relationship. No, um, actually, I just remembered a film that was 2016 that I saw that was terrible. I watched The Boy. Which, I can't believe you watched the, that. The horror movie about the girl from from with Maggie from Walking Dead taking care of a doll. And man, did the wheels fall off that one. That, like, I'm terrified of horror movies. I don't watch them. Mm -hmm. 
But I laughed so hard at that trailer. What did we see that trailer in front of? Uh, I don't. It might have been Ghostbusters. No, no it had to be early. It had to be the super boy was early. January. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it was something we saw at the end of the fall last year. Yeah, probably somewhere in there. Then I'm not sure. But memory uh, yeah, like a sieve. The, the boy is is not worth your time. Like, and like it started. They do a great job with the boy of. Uh, setting up what you think's going to happen. Like, they give a reasonable, like, explanation every ten minutes. It's like, oh, the twist is going to be this. And thus, with so many evidence, so much evidence pointing in other directions, it's supposed to make the actual reveal a big surprise. But it just makes it stupid and out of left field. Oh my God. Uh, I won't spoil it, because, I don't know, maybe you want to watch The Boy, but uh, it's really, really bad. Spoiler. Stupid. It's really stupid, yeah. Like, you'll think you know, and then it's just going to be something stupid. Uh, my best film of 2016 was uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. I thought, uh, I almost called him Hugh Jackman. John Goodman was phenomenal. Oh, John Goodman wishes he looked like Hugh Jackman, <laughs> yeah. man. I, I might be the first person in the history of the world to confuse Hugh Jackman and John Goodman. They have the same cadence in their name, yeah. that three-syllable... The uh, the wrestler, it blah, blah, blah. Man. Uh, but yeah, that that film was great. Ramona Flowers is great in it. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know her name. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I knew it was three names. <laughs> uh, but that movie, the twists and turns of that, and that's it's the exact opposite of The Boy, <laughs> where instead of it being like uh, a bunch of logical explanations, there's really just two. And then when the twist happens, it's a very, it's still very jarring but effective. It doesn't feel like it came out of nowhere. A lot of people have issues with the ending of Ten Cloverfield Lane. I think it's fine, uh, but that would have to be the best movie. Yeah. Now, so. what movie are you most excited about for twenty seventeen? For twenty seventeen, since it's New Year's Day, ex- let's look ahead too. Yeah, let's also look ahead. Um, I'm predicting most disappointing film is going to be Blade Runner. Oh, I think most disappointing film is going to be Thor Ragnarok. Oh, no, no, no. I'm super You're... excited for for Thor Ragnarok. Oh, because Bruce Banner is going to be in Bruce it. Because Bruce Banner's in you it. You know it's what? No, never mind. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe I was like, there's no way it can be enough Loki to make anybody happy. Because the only good thing about Dark World was that it was a Loki movie that Thor happened to be in. Was that what the second one was called? Yeah. Dark World? Yeah, it was clearly we have to make another Loki movie. Thor is here too. Yeah, that mm, <laughs> that was not a good film. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna say most disappointing. I'm gonna say Blade Runner. I'm trying to think what's coming out uh, next year. Uh, is, is Alien next year? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not excited May 18th, for that. I believe. <laughs> I'm not not excited for that. That they really screwed up Prometheus. So I'm not. I'm not feeling that one. Uh, oh, you didn't like Prometheus? No, I had no idea. Like You've literally done recitals about how much yeah, you hate I this hate movie. Prometheus. Uh, I hate to be that guy who's going to choose fandom over logic, but Saw Eights next year. <laughs> Saw. Oh, excuse me, I was not close enough to the microphone. <laughs> I'm super excited, and like, I love the fact that it, it's there hasn't been a Saw movie in like six years. So the next logical step is, oh, they're going to reboot it. But they're not. It's a sequel. Tobin Bell is in it. Tobin Bell died in Saw 3. He's been in all of them. 
but he, I think he dies in technically all of them. I have three that I'm between for the ones I'm most excited about. All right, hit me. I mean, this is like my super fangirlness coming through, but Spider-Man: Homecoming looks great. Really? Yeah. See, I I didn't even give a chance to the Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield ones. And I'm Mr. Spider. I was Mr. Spider. You were. I remember when I met you, you were super into Spider-Man. Then you kind of became a Batman guy yeah. under my watch. It just, and they can't, they just can't nail Spider-Man down for some reason. Tom Holland did a really good job in Civil War. And I think if they stick with that style and that writing, I like that he actually does look like a high schooler instead of looking yeah, I think like Dawson's Creek casting. The, the issue with Spider-Man is Spider-Man is four children. Like, and I think they keep aiming for everybody, and I don't think they should. I think they should just kind of make a children's movie. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with if they made a PG Marvel movie. They've done every other... Because the whole theory that we've always been working with with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that every movie Mm -hmm. has been a different genre. Like, we always say Ant-Man's a heist movie, um, uh, not Civil War. Winter Soldier was a political thriller. Why not make a family movie? Yeah. And but like a respectful like like a Goonies or you know something that's I'm not like, that's why I said a family movie not a kids movie. Yeah. Like don't make like Spider-Man have a slap fight with Green Goblin, but like mm-hmm. you know you can make a family movie with stakes. You can yeah. make a family movie with real danger. Yeah, we're not making I'm not saying make you know Spider-Man go. Uh, what I'm saying, like, ma- aim it at kids dealing with high school problems and stuff. I think that will make Spider-Man work a little like bit Like a better. PG-13 movie for what PG-13 used to be designed for? Yeah. Yeah. Before Some, PG-13 like became just a little less violence than an R-rated movie. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Or we a, want the money from the younger folks. A wealthier studio than an R-rated movie. Yeah. Uh, the Guardians 2 trail. I love Guardians I the thought Galaxy. Guardians was 2018. No. Right. It's uh, May, I believe. Oh my god! All right, so Guardians Two is no Spider Man is May, and Guardians might be August. They do two a year, and I think yeah. And then the uh, episode eight. Is yeah, the we end do of have year. episode eight. Yeah, and like Carrie. I know. I, and Carrie Fisher's death, I feel like, has been one of the worst of 2016. Oh, it was the one that hit me hardest, personally. Yeah. And, you know, Kenny Baker also died, and, uh, you know, you don't actually see him in Star Wars. But I think one of the major issues with her death is she had the heart attack and survived. So there was a moment of, like, oh, she's fine. It was announced oh, that she was she's stable. Fine. She's fine. And then, like, two days later. We got cocky. We were like, no, our princess is stronger than the Force of 2016. Yeah. So, like, the fact that, it like, the year also toyed with us, I think, <laughs> made that one so much harder. And, like, I got a text message, like, in the middle of Target, so I'm standing, like, not even kidding, in the women's underpants department of Target, like, crying. Mm-hmm. And that's a personal low for, like, any human being. You're standing there surrounded by, like, Pokemon underpants as a grown woman, like, <laughs> Carrie, no! And it's one of those things where I hate that people say, like, I've never, you know, why are you crying over a celebrity? You've never met them, and things like that. And I always personally take offense to that just because I'm a wrestling fan. 
And as a wrestling fan, when a wrestler dies, it's different than any other celebrity in that I invite that wrestler into my home for a new program, usually more than once a week, like with Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views and stuff like that. And, like, I've seen this person grow and develop as, as a performer over years. And, and, you know, while they don't know who I am, I've spent a lot of time with them. And, you know, when when they die, it's it's very upsetting. Well, I've read in regard to Bowie and Queen... Uh, Bowie, Queen. Bowie and Prince. Yeah. I was thinking about Under Pressure. Uh, Bowie <laughs> and Prince and Carrie Fisher that we're mourning what they taught us about ourselves. Yeah. And, like, every... I have this picture that I took off my mom's computer two days ago of me as a nine-year-old girl in a Princess Leia costume mm-hmm. with, like, the dopey little Halloween store wig and, like, my blonde hair coming out the bottom because I was bad at wigs. And, like, that was from when I was a little girl. So, like, Princess Leia has been something I've cared about my whole life. And, like having her become the general in episode seven yeah. like that was such a cool thing because now you know i'm pushing 30 um and you know Consented. and the princess is now a general and now we're seeing her as this strong woman and then to lose her like that is just such a gut punch star wars question yes. have we ever seen a lady use the force like Ray kind of calls calls the uh, the lightsaber to her. We see it with the. I'm only going with the movies. I'm not. I'm not here to play with expanded universe. I didn't watch the cartoon. Yeah, I'm saying see. So <laughs> I didn't. In a book, you read it. You didn't see it. Well, the the cartoon. There's a few cartoon series. With oh, we talking about oh the, rebels and yeah. Clone Wars, and I. Clone Wars came out when I was in college. I want to say, and I just wasn't watching TV. And Rebels uh, came out after I no longer had a cable situation where I had the Disney Channel. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I never got into either of them. So I think we see it there. I know we see female Jedi mm-hmm. in strong positions, so we must see it. But, like, Princess Leia never uses the Force, does she? No, I hate the fact that we never see Leia with a lightsaber. No. I, I kind of hate that, like, she never... I wanted to see her have a lightsaber in Episode 7. And it's, like, the thing I hope we see in Episode 8. Yeah. Like, Episode 8, the whole theater will know if we see Leia in the lightsaber by my hysterical sobbing. <laughs> like, when Hol- in Ghostbusters, when Holtzman lays waste to all the ghosts, mm-hmm. and it's done in a completely non-sexualized way. Yeah. I, like, lost it in the theater because... I never got to see that growing up, and no. I'm so happy that girls now got to see that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I used to play Masters of Terracassi, which was the <laughs> uh, Star Wars fighting game, and I know you could play as Leia, and I believe she had a lightsaber staff. Like, I think, like, the tips of it were a lightsaber. And then there was another character in there that was, like, an original Terracassi character who was female and had some sort of force power. I'm trying to remember if Jaina Solo ever used the force in the books I read. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is all... I don't think any of this is canon anymore unless it comes out Kylo Ray's name is Jason. But then you have to answer, where's Jaina? Unless she's yeah. Ray, which, okay. Um, but in the books, they used to have three children, Jason, Jaina, and Anakin. 
Right. And Jason falls. Jason falls into what would be the Kylo Ren role. Yeah. Ben's role. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his name is his Ben. I forgot. Ben. Yeah. Fake geek girl. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Will's not here, so I have to say I'm a fake geek girl yeah. anytime I get something wrong. And then, like, Anakin becomes what his grandfather couldn't be. Right. Okay. That's cool. And I think dies? I'm I think sure. he dies in a book I didn't read. Oh, I'm sure. They can't kill the main cast, so, in the extended universe. Yeah, I, I no, they kill Chewbacca, like, a really? lot. I feel like they kill Chewbacca, like, Are you constantly. thinking of the, the, the Parks and Rec? No, I'm not thinking of Patton Oswalt. <laughs> no, but I do think that, for some reason, Chewbacca dies a lot in the expanded universe. Or it just might be a meme. I'm guessing he's hard to write when... <laughs> Makes the book difficult. Uh, so, so what was your your, your most uh, disappointing l- or look at uh, twenty seventeen? What do you think is going to come out and be bad? There's nothing I'm super excited about that looks like it's going to suck. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm really worried about Wonder Woman. Oh, I'm really right. worried about I. If DC had managed to put out. A film, a decent film that hasn't sucked in the last off. five years. Like their last, even relatively good film was Dark Knight Rises, and even that, like, was not the best. It was the worst of the trilogy. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks that it's it's all Superman's fault. As soon as anyone connected to Superman shows up, it's garbage. I mean, we had this conversation last night about how Marvel has managed to do Captain America. In the way that DC has not managed to do Superman. Yeah. In portraying lawful good. Mm-hmm. In a way that's still compelling and still interesting. Yeah. And DC has not figured it out. Because I, I think there's... With lawful good characters like Cap and Superman, there is always a disconnect. Like, they are definitely strangers in our world. Right. Cap because he's from a different time. Superman because he's from another planet. And with Cap... Cap's, uh, as Cap, is still playing along that he's part of our world. While Superman plays Clark Kent, Superman is clearly not part of our world. He's not meant to be, like, someone, a celebrity, like Captain America was originally meant to be. Right. So people have conversations with Cap where he's like, no, I'm struggling with this. this no, I'm going to do the lawful good thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Superman's just like, no, I'm just... The sun's giving me power. I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah, like, I really... I, I'm so excited that there's going to be a female-led superhero movie for the first time. But I have to admit, I haven't seen a single frame from Captain Marvel that I already have more faith in it than I have in the DC Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Well, I believe the DC Wonder Woman movie's going to be a period piece as well? I believe so. Don't make the pun joke, but... Uh... I will cut you. Exactly. I, I was talking to our audience. But I, I believe audience, it takes place I will cut you. during World War II, I think. World War II? I'm not World sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's, a, it's, it's one of the wars. <laughs> so she, she should run into Wolverine. Yeah, I actually haven't done a lot of research in the movie because I'm... I'm almost afraid... afraid. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's one of those things of... It, it's giving me anxiety of, like, no, what if it's terrible? What if I'm sad? Don't be terrible, please. It's one of those things that I'm going to have to wait until, like, reviews come out to even 
see it even though like for me marvel movies are review proof like even if it gets terrible reviews i'm still probably gonna go see it yeah like they could be like guardians of the galaxy 2 sucks and i'd be like where do i sign where do i sign the trailer looks good i'm so excited God, it's just, my back just cracked and it felt amazing. We're sitting uh, on the floor. Yeah. Let's let's talk TV. I don't think we've really watched much TV uh, in, in 2016. Everything I have is shameful. I know. I know we've been watching a lot of old stuff. <laughs> uh, but I, I think the best of the year was clearly... Daisy of Love. No. Daisy 2016 get... rewatch. <laughs> was clearly Stranger Things. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about Stranger Things on the show. Uh, so I would have to say the worst of 2016, just because it's us. I'm going to say I enjoyed the season of Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. Um, because they find... We're past the books. So, like, you, I was a book person only. But I'm, I'm rapidly losing faith that we're getting a sixth book, much less the seventh book. So now I've started following the show again, because I, like, I, I have to know. And my issue with The Walking Dead has always been that nothing ever seems to get better. And Game of Thrones has handed the, the good guys a few bones. Yeah, finally. Like Sansa Stark, who I've long defended. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to stop watching during the scene you all know I'm talking about in season five. I couldn't really deal with Game of Thrones anymore. Right. But she started to like come into her own and have agency and kind of be a boss and be a player. Right. And she also fed her husband to his own dogs. I'm kind of into that. Yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> so I think my best was this season of Game of Thrones. Okay, I see that. Uh, but for worst, I think I think. Oh, and the drunk history episode of, for the Hamilton episode. Oh yeah, of let's drunk talk history. about that. That was amazing. The Ham- <laughs> I just realized I was I was looking around and I'm sitting next to a Hamilton calendar. So every time I like look around the room, I'm like, oh, that's. Uh, it was so I've. I really wish Drunk History would do that more often. Yeah. Like, once or twice a season, do a full half-hour special mm-hmm. with, like... I mean, there's an American history film out at least once a year that you could do. Yeah. I, I was trying to, like, zoom through this because I didn't think we'd have anything to say, but... Man, that that Drunk History, just because they had ladies playing... uh Hamilton and Aaron Burr was just so awesome. I liked that because it, I'm sure it must have been tempting to try to go the casting route and get like people like men of color to play them because that's yeah. who plays them in the musical. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was an interesting idea to have women play them instead and go in a completely different direction. Audrey Plaza does such a great job as Aaron Burr. It's awesome. My favorite part is Aubrey Plaza sing songingly going Bye, Questlove! <laughs> in Lynn Manuel's voice. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just what I want my ringtone to be. <laughs> Complete with a gif of her doing it while it happens. So, so hopefully when we see Hamilton, it'll live up to the drunk history that I saw. Oh my god. <laughs> Soon. So, but when it comes to the worst, I think there's two we have to bring up. And it's because we haven't watched them. <laughs> oh, no, I was, I, I had something I was gonna say. Oh. Well, let me look first to say... Walking Dead is stupid and terrible, and we need to stop it. Agreed. It's just, it's not fun, it's joyless, and we were right to give up watching it years ago. What were you going to say? 
Oh, I watched all of Fuller House. Oh, Fuller House. Oh, my God. What a trash fire. <laughs> it was House so was. bad. I mean, I watched the entire season. But it's also, they're 20-minute episodes, so you can watch the entire season in, like, a night. It's just, it's so strange. Like, I can't believe it exists. It's sad. basically my feeling towards it. Like, it's very sad. Yeah, because, like, they're poking fun at Full House. Like, the original Full House. But it's also them doing it. So it's like, yeah, this is... We haven't really climbed anywhere. Like, they get a dig in on Mary-Kate and Ashley for legitimately having other jobs and having careers outside of being themselves. Like, DJ's life, she's like, well, my husband died, now me and my newborn child and my two other children have to move back rent-free into my ancestral home. I mean... Other than Mary Kate and Ashley, who did have a career for a little bit, I don't know where they are now. The only person I can think that did something after Full House is Bob Saget. John Stamos has actually done okay. He I, d- he had a Fox series. He had a Fox series, and he's also been on. He's I think he was on ER for a while. He was on ER for a while, and then he did yogurt commercials. Yeah, he was on screen. He's been working. I also think he played drums with the, the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys. I think, like, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's very good friends with Mike Wilson, and I think that's why the Beach Boys were on Full House all the time. And Becky is in a lot of Hallmark movies. Oh, yeah, you're right. And so is DJ, actually. Like, I really? think. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And Stephanie got real into meth for a while. Did she? Oh, yeah. Oh. I believe she was. Like, she's recovered, but I think that's why we did not hear from her for a very long time. When Steve came back... (laughs) It was so sad! And his only characterization was that he was still super hungry. It was just, oh, it turned my stomach. See, that could have played if he'd also been, like, morbidly (laughs) obese. Yeah, that would have been better. That would have been, like, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I never stopped eating. And I never stopped oh, loving... lost a foot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be too dark for children's yeah. television. Yeah. I mean, Whatever. it's got that same... Are they aiming at children with this show? Or are they aiming at us? I think... I, I'm not sure. Because I feel like they want to aim at the whole family. They want it to be like that TGIF style viewing. Mm-hmm. But I know... I actually know a lot of parents who won't watch it with their kids... Because some of the adult jokes are way more adult than the full house jokes were. Yeah, I can't even think of, like, a full jo- uh, a, an adult joke in full house. The, I actually thought of one real quick. Yeah. When Joey tells Michelle that Jesse and Rebecca are going to be doing their taxes every night for the first couple of months of their marriage. Oh, I vaguely remember that, yeah. But I know that jokes in Fuller House are way raunchier. Yeah, there's a lot about Stephanie's chest. Yeah, and it. I think. I think there's a lot of like this isn't really family viewing. Like your kids have to be seven or eight for that to be okay, and then they're still trying to do the kid with the catchphrase. Yeah, like the middle, her annoying little boy has some kind of catchphrase that I can't remember. But it makes me think of BoJack Horseman. Yeah, when like <laughs> it's too much, man. No. The the boy in BoJack Horseman oh. who can't get the catchphrase over. They're like, wowie, kazowie! And the <laughs> audience is just like... Bowsy. Yeah, and the audience is just like, no. 
also special uh, reference to, or mention reference to Gotham, which could not hold our attention enough to make us watch a third season. We were gonna, and then we just didn't. <laughs> I have the problem with Gotham of it. It gets so it, it kind of has the Walking Dead thing of it gets really needlessly gruesome a lot. Mm-hmm. Like. I part of me is like you know you air in an eight o'clock time slot right, like you air in an eight o'clock time slot and you literally killed and ate people last season. Yeah, I mean Penguin killed. This is season two, so if you're not caught up, sorry. Why do you? If you're not caught up, you're not getting caught up. Yeah. Um, but Penguin kills, cooks, and serves a woman her children, like her adult children. And it's kind of weird. And the things that I have heard about this season have gotten my attention, but, like, in the, like, ratings bait way. Yeah. Like, they're playing the Nigma cobblepot relationship as a one-sided romantic relationship this season. Wait, what? Surprise! I did not know this. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Cobblepot's in love with Nigma. That is not the way I thought you were going to say well, they, uh, I did see a lot of complaints, because I was following, I was still on the Gotham subreddit, and like, so on my Reddit feed, a lot of stuff would get spoiled. Yeah. And a lot of people said like, oh, I can't believe they're just suddenly making Cobblepot gay. And I was like, I don't think it's sudden. If you talk about like, how he acts in the first season in regard to Jim. Yeah. There's the scene where his mom is bathing him, and he's like, I met a boy today, like, very in the oh my god yeah in that schoolboy crush way so I was like I really don't think this is out of character for Cobblepot at all huh and I don't I don't really because I'm not caught up obviously but I from what I understand I don't think Nygma's that into him yeah I mean Nygma had had a girlfriend for a little bit so I mean that doesn't stop anybody yeah that's true well now I'm (laughs) re-interested in Gotham yeah that's the only reason I've been like kind of into it this season has been like oh I really want to see where they go with this relationship and that's not a good reason to be into a show is like is like my inner tumblerina coming out being like yaoi boys yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean that's like my 13 year old like Remus and Sirius are in love totally are they no they super are super are I have the theory that Tonks turns into Sirius Black when she's with Remus, and I'm that, not That's her Animanji? <laughs> well, she's a metamorph magus. She can turn oh. into any... Oh, you're right, you're right. Nerd's got a nerd. I gotta reread Harry Potter. <laughs> can we just have a real quick book segment? Sure, we can do books. Uh, I don't have a best book that was released in 2016 that I read, mm-hmm. uh, because I've yet to get Ali Brosh's Solutions and Other Problems, but I have a lot of faith in it, because... It's oh, hyperbole, the, in the half, hyperbole in half, and I love her. Yeah. Uh, worst book I read this year was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> the most fun that book could provide was I went to a reading where we all sat in a circle and read parts. Right. And that was fun because we completely miscast. We drew parts out of hats. Right, right, right. And that was fun, but like that was the only way because we started making fun of the plot. It's bad fan. It's not even good fan fiction. I mean, it's... It's Harry Potter doesn't love one of his kids. Yeah, I mean, and it's the tour through, like, old things. Like, like is, I, And I said this non-jokingly, where I was like, people were afraid that the cursed child was going to ruin Harry Potter. And I said, well, Cedric's dead, so it's not like they're going to mess with my thing. I... And th- th- that apparently... 
Apparently, it's the plot. <laughs> and I, it really derails Cedric Diggory's character. The idea of one humiliation and he's a Death Eater now? It, th- that's not Cedric. No, like Cedric... That's not who I decided Cedric was. I know Cedric better than you, Miss Rowling. I mean, Cedric does at one point have to put his head out. Like, his head's on fire at one point, I believe. During one of the... Uh, Challenges like the dragon kind of gets him a little bit. Yeah, he gets a little scorched, and he handles it like a champ. Mm-hmm. Like he's got like a burn on his face, and that's embarrassing because you're a pretty boy. He gets over it. Yeah, and is still a good person. I mean, the whole point of Cedric is he's the best of the the Hufflepuffs. We had one, and he stood out for us. Don't don't screw him up. I I think it's the idea of that you know the objective best person Hogwarts could put forward was a Hufflepuff. Yeah. And I think that's a message J.K. Rowling was trying to send because everyone makes fun of Hufflepuffs and so she was trying to throw them a bone. Don't word it that way. I mean, everyone makes fun of Hufflepuff so she was trying to kind of be like, no, Hufflepuff can put out great people. Mm-hmm. If anybody got the short end, it was Ravenclaw in the books. We didn't get anything. You have Luna Lovegood. Who was depicted as being a weirdo. But I, I thought Ravenclaws were the most interesting. Because, like, we never the whole got, the password thing was a riddle instead of it being a password. We never got to spend a significant amount of time with any Ravenclaws. Because even Harry spending time with Luna was largely done off page. Like, yeah. it was like his friend Luna... They did stuff, but you didn't see a lot of it. I would have liked to have spent time with more Ravenclaws. Which you'd think that, like, Harry Potter would be sucking up to more Ravenclaws to help do his homework. Well, he had Hermione. <laughs> That's true. Well, he doesn't need <laughs> But yeah, I agree that that was, that was the worst book. Uh, Ever. Yeah. I, I know I've read some comics, but I don't know if they came out this year. Like, like I don't know. Deadpool Hawkeye? Yeah, I, think I that don't... was this year. I don't ever look at the at copyright the dates, page. Yeah. yeah. Because usually I just close my eyes and grab one. And I'm like, all right, comic book time. But, or, or possibly the new Headlocked was probably this year. Which I just started. Yeah, that was pretty Volume good. Volume 3? Yeah, that was good. I uh, just found it, so I just started it. I stopped relating to it as someone going through a wrestling training. Because it's it's like the cedar, seedy underbelly of uh, professional wrestling. And guess what? Jakara's not like that. You also, like, weren't coming from bad experiences already like this guy was. Like, you didn't already have a history in the indies that you'd messed up. Yeah, there's not someone trying to break my arm so I have respect for the business. Right. So, which which I love. (laughs) I love that nobody's trying to do that to me. Hooray. Ophidium, please. Yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy. Uh, So, um, I was going to say video games. Let's talk uh, video games. Uh best and worst of 2016 in terms of video games. Uh, best. I'm going to I'm going to be real basic and I'm going to say Undertale. Undertale is a great choice. Undertale was it, a phenomenal experience. It taps into a really visceral fear for me when it starts like break when um when it starts like turning your computer against you and breaking the fourth just smashing the fourth wall with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh that's always been what I've been afraid of with those kinds of games. Like that, cr- the creepy pasta of uh, you couldn't save her was always the one that scared me the most. Because yeah. if I ever put a video game in and it talked to me, I would pee my pants. Mm-hmm. 
and so like that when it starts turning your computer on you and like you can't get out of it and you can't yeah you can't overwrite something you've done yeah not not to you know spoil undertale but i feel like our fans would know enough about undertale and uh, i don't think it's supposed to say that you can't overwrite you can't unmake a decision yeah yeah which is brilliant and i love seeing video games like fully use their medium to, yeah. to like an extent like that and i believe if i recall correctly we played undertale in like two or three long marathon runs. sessions yeah so it was very late when we got to the final battle mm-hmm. so like it was also maybe one thirty-two in the morning so it was like super terrifying yeah. and i remember i believe the thought process because the game turns itself off was oh it crashed i guess it's bedtime <laughs> like like i kind of took it as like oh the game broke screw it and then i was like wait let me let me restart it and see what happens and then everything went to hell and i was like oh well then <laughs> i also learned a valuable lesson about trying to be my own voice actors yes uh research how big a part is before you give it a voice that hurts your throat yeah very true <laughs> That was papyrus. <laughs> it was so much fun to do. I, I know you tell people that story a lot, where it's like, yeah, you got to be careful uh, what voice you do. And then you do that voice, and then you don't mention what character it was. Because everyone who played Undertale knows that's papyrus, because that's the only character that does that. That does that laugh, yeah, I guess that's true. And they write it out as, nyeh So it's very clearly that character. Uh, I was going to say... Uh, inside for me because inside was such a, a like unique experience. Uh, I think inside it might be the best game to give someone who doesn't play video games because anytime you hand someone who doesn't play video games a controller, their first thought is, "Well, what do I do? How do I move? What do these buttons do?" Right. Inside is designed to make you feel that way, even if you've played a thousand video games. Because it, it tells you basically, because like, X is jump, and square is do something. And it's like, figure the rest out on your own. And it's like, alright, and there's like, no, there's not a big punishment for mistakes. Like, if you die, you're right back where you were. Right. Like, so I thought that was Remember very Remember when dying well in a video game used to mean something? Yeah. Now you just respawn where you died. Because that's a thought I had one play, when playing Inside. Uh, if you haven't played Inside, it's by the people who made... Uh, uh, limbo, and it looks exactly like it, except with color, <laughs> ish, ish. Yeah, with more colors, like two or three more colors than Limbo, uh, and you you're just going into this weird building and just kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And graphically, it's pretty simple. So I actually had the thought, like, could this game exist on a Nintendo cartridge? It wouldn't look as good, but for the most part, I think it could have existed as a Nintendo game but that does then create the interesting idea of it wouldn't be designed like this it wouldn't be you die and then you reappear right where it was where you'd you have start. to have some sort of respawn further back you would no you would start with three lives there would be ways for you to get more lives Ugh. and then if you lost those lives you would start the game over Ugh. and only through trial and error and figuring out like where the traps were would you ever beat that game and, and I think I think Inside was a maybe a five hour experience for me maybe a little more 
But like you add that aspect to it, that becomes like a few weeks of oh. trying to figure stuff out. Oh. Getting four hours deep into it, dying, starting the game over. Oh, I can't even imagine that. that I mean, that's what video games were in the Nintendo era. I, I remember, but I still like... Ugh. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's just an, it's an interesting thought. Like, I, I think that would be a cool patch, like DLC to do for Inside. It's just like have an NES mode. Because that was one of the things with Life is Strange to me is that like... If you died, you just started over. Like you, yeah, you just backed up. You backed up, and part of me always was like, "Maybe the game stents. Like, <laughs> maybe you just you just die because you're stupid." Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say the best best game of 2016 was Pokemon Go. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> you what? You want to change your answer now? Yeah. Yeah, Pokemon. Like Go, I really enjoyed Undertale, it's, but it's fun. I mean, like Undertale is about building relationships with. Imaginary NPCs people. And, and Pokemon Go, I built relationships with actual people I ran into. But, yeah, I mean, I know the phenomenon has kind of died down. We're still playing. Right now, it's this... I mean, a lot of people are playing because it's an event. Mm-hmm. We weren't playing for a while when there wasn't an event. Yeah, I, I think, though, it's also was cold. I, I think the If event... it was a nice day and we were bored, I think we would have played more. I hadn't been playing. Yeah. I hadn't played regularly since I played during the Halloween event. Yeah. And I stopped playing until they introduced the babies. Yeah. Well, we were also very sick for a month. That's true. Oh. Yeah, that was the worst. 20, 2016 was hard, guys. Yeah, so I would definitely say Pokemon Go was the best game of 2016. Well, it's weird to say a mobile game was the best game. And especially one that had so many problems. It was definitely the one with the biggest cultural zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Like, we will always think of the summer of 2016 as being the summer of Pokemon Go. Because yeah. it was so all-consuming. The thing is, like, they they really need to... A lot of people make fun of mobile gaming because mobile gaming is not designed to be fun. It's designed to kill time and steal your money. Uh, and, but when they... that game finally comes out that's like a really a great game and everyone's playing because everyone owns a phone it's not like with a Nintendo Wii where it's like I wanted to play Mario Maker which I also did really enjoy but for those who were nostalgic for Mario because they played it years ago that's a $40 purchase after a hundred and forty dollar purchase. My worst game of the year is the Mario Mobile game because they only put it out on iPhone. <laughs> Run, you're, you're not happy about that. I have Android. It's. It was, would you really have gotten it? Probably could... not because I probably wouldn't have had any space on my phone because of Pokemon. Because of Pokemon Go, it's also ten dollars. Oh wait, it costs money. Yeah, that's a ten dollar game. Oh, it's definitely the worst game of the year then. <laughs> yeah, you're a mobile game. You want money, and you only came out for iPhone. What good are you? I mean, th- that could have really been something, but I, I have no faith in Pokemon, or Pokemon, in Mario Run. Uh, yeah. Like, I know very little about the gameplay mechanic. Uh, jump is your only button. Oh, good. Like, he's constantly running forward. Mm. So it's like Cobalt. I believe that's what that game was called. Um, my worst game of the year is No Man's Sky. 
I and I I played some No Man's Sky, and there is nothing there. It is a broken Minecraft. You were you were playing it at our friend's house. Yeah, I, and I I for, left. I played it for an hour and got everything I needed to get out of No Man's Sky. You played it for an hour during which I put on Pokemon Go and walked the dog. Yeah, and it's it's like you have a big empty. You know what it is? It's it's PlayStation Home. It's a big space with nothing to do. That's No oh. Man's Sky. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I'm gonna. I gotta remember that I said that because I'm gonna use that at Magfest. You absolutely should. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that I would definitely say that that is is my worst of the year in terms of uh, in terms of video games. Is No Man's Sky. It's not. It's not a game. There's there's no objective really. Like I know there is one, but it's not a fun one to achieve, and the obstacles in between you and your goal are not something you overcome. It's something you stumble past. Yay. Yeah, that that doesn't sound fun at all. No. Uh, so we're almost out of time. Hooray. Uh, so, um, hooray, we're having a great time. Oh, I just meant like we were, we were doing, we were doing good. We were feeling, <laughs> we were doing a good podcast. Yes, indeed. Uh, so I'm going to double check. I, I put questions out there. I was worried it'd be like we got through that and then we were like, so we got 45 minutes left of this podcast. Jerry asks, are doomsday, are doomsday preppers still considered crazy, or do they make a lot more sense now? Right after the election, I definitely had a few moments where I was like, maybe I should be buying bottled water. <laughs> like, I actually... Go up the bathtub. Oh, God, ew. You, we, you'd have to buy a lot. Like, they sell liners for that. Oh, really? Oh, they absolutely do. That's smart. Because nobody wants to drink out of their bathtub... That, most people don't clean their bathtubs enough for it to feel like you should drink out of it. Well, I would clean it first before I filled it, but if I was going to use it to store water. I would still be like, there's probably comet residue in this water. Ugh. Jump cleaning in your... I'd buy a liner. I think, I think most doomsday preppers were not planning for this situation. But, uh, I don't know. I'm afraid of what going to happen with terms of politics so I don't think about it much I don't prep I'm I'm the, the grasshopper and I'll ask the ant for help later <laughs> oh, I didn't want to get into politics but like it, it was such a big part of 2016 and I think it knocked out the last two months of the year for a lot of people yeah I mean and it, it's good like you know people need to be aware of politics and pay attention but like I've never felt like I've paid attention more to politics and felt more helpless and, like, unheard (laughs) than this year. I think this year was a big wake-up call for our generation because we largely came of age during the Obama years. Yeah. And there was a certain sense of safety that I think would have continued for most people in our generation under Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. that we don't have anymore. And it was that very, it was a sudden, abrupt loss of, loss of innocence for our generation. Yeah. I mean, in the 60s, it was the assassination of JFK. That was the sudden, abrupt loss of innocence. Yeah. And I think for us, it was this election. Because suddenly, every game, all the rules are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. All, all, everything we believed were, was fact. It was no longer factual. Because I kept thinking about in 2004, when... Knocked 
Howard Dean out of the election. Yeah, and and a binder of women knocked, knocked Romney, Romney off out. the presidency. Yeah. Like, there was a video that also came out about, like, the 47% that are never going to vote for him. Yeah. And everyone was inflamed by that. And, like, Trump said worse things on the record publicly. Yeah. Tweeted them out so that they would exist forever. <laughs> and yet, he just got away with it. <sighs> Add one to the tally. <laughs> uh, rate, rate the year in terms of Taco Bell you ate, says Jeff Stormer. Guess what? I'm not going to do that, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to rate it as a 10 because I ate no Taco Bell. <laughs> Best beers of 2016. Ooh. Um, says Jen. Hmm. What was your favorite beer? My, my favorite beer? Um, I, really, I mean, I always liked Mad Elf. Uh, never really talk about booze on the podcast, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like there was a really good new evil genius that I fell in love with. Uh, Han shot first, not Han shot first, but I feel like there was a new one that I was like, "This is this is the the new Jim Jam right here." Uh, not adulting, Yikes. not Ma the Meatloaf. Was it Stacy's mom? Stacy's mom, I feel like, is old. Chickadee China? Chickadee China, I also feel, is old. I'm going to say mine was, while we try to remember what yours was, uh, New Belgium moved into our area in the last yeah. year. And Pumpkick, their pumpkin beer was really good. And their collab with Ben and Jerry's, their cookie dough beer, mm-hmm. it was really cookie dough. Yeah. It was like Willy Wonka magic beer. I was so excited by life. I will say, since I I'm, I, I like beer and I like trying new things, it's there's not a lot of beer I come back to a lot. But I find that if I, if I could pick any beer and I want to drink it again, I pick Forgotten Boardwalk's Funnel Cake Beer. Was it this one time at Bandcamp? This one time at Bandcamp. No, that, that's the one that switches, I think. This is the double... Oh, yeah, it's each time we brew this beer, we will dry hop it with a different blend of hops. Yeah, so it was different every time I had it. I just found out one existed, and, like, I really want to find it. Yeah. Because I've never seen any... I've looked up Evil Genius's beer while we were talking. There's a vanilla-infused Belgian-style double ale called... The files are in the computer? In the computer! <laughs> I really must find it. Yeah, that... That sounds really good. That sounds amazing. Evil Genius, uh... You're welcome for the shout-out. Yeah, so I'll actually say Forgotten Boardwalk was my best beer. And then I've drank a lot of terrible beers. So I'll Last s- night, we did not have a sing- yeah, We did a beer tasting, and like yeah. it was a swing and a miss on all counts. Yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> you know what? Carton Brewing Company, they had a Neapolitan beer that we had when we were in uh, Morristown for Dexcon. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Uh, Jeff from the Party of One podcast and I had it. And it was just... It was a Neapolitan. It was chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, and it worked. Uh, so we're running low on time. Uh, real quick, wrestling. Worst beer was fully. You want to do wrestling real quick? Uh, best and worst, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let's do uh, wrestler of the year. Wrestler of the year, Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks, really? Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks over Charlotte. Uh, yeah. All right, then. Sasha Banks can speak on a mic without making me want to punch her in the mouth. I I know you think that I know you always say that like oh she's doing it on purpose to make us hate her Mm -hmm. it works I hate her (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's no beating AJ Styles AJ Styles had the best year I can't name a bad AJ Styles match 
AJ Styles came in, well, except for the Royal Rumble, which was bad, but not because of him. Like, but he had a, that amazing series of matches with Chris Jericho, and then he had a bunch of great matches with Roman Reigns, and then he won the title. Like, he's been nothing but great since he's been here. We have ruined AJ Styles for me. Because I think he's a mimetic idiot. Because of all the jokes we tell about AJ Styles. He don't want none. He's like, just a southern boy. Every time he holds his hands together to have his uh, glove show something, and then you or Jeff Stormer says, I look so cool right now. I can't. <laughs> and his like soccer mom haircut and the gay community thing. Guys. And all of his kids being named AJ. Like, in my mind, he's just the mimetic idiot. Yeah, all right, all right. So I, I have that. a hard time taking him seriously. Oh, if I had to say so a male good. wrestler, I would just count KO and Jericho together. Yeah. Which they're doing too, so I don't feel yeah, bad. that's fine. That's fine. We'll call them tag team of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call them tag team. I'd say well, tag team yeah. of the year is New Day. Yeah, New Day or DIY. Or The Revival. Damn, that match was freaking great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Worst wrestler of the year? Any? any that's so hard, because that? it... It's kind of like there's going to be a few that I just... They're so bad, I just don't think about them. Yeah. Or at least, want to say, like, Biggest Fall or something like that. Where, where they were once great, and now they're just... I'm going to say maybe Jack Swagger. He used to... He was the champion. I'd say Biggest Fall. Because I'm going to, again, go women's wrestling, because I, I care about that. Yeah. Biggest Fall's Paige. Oh, yeah, Paige. Great call. Paige has completely She just... went from being two or three-time champion... Yeah. To now she like seems like she like got mixed up in a bad relationship and now she's just off the off we, the grid. We, we gotta watch Total Divas. We do have to watch Totes Divas. Totes Divas. Yeah, we've been behind on Total Divas. Oh, TV of the Year, Total Bellas. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I'm gonna say downward spiral and uh, just so I can elicit some hatred from our wrestling fans is Matt Hardy, just because it was so great at the beginning and now it's like too much of a good thing. No, I'm still totally into it because I don't watch TNA ever. Yeah, I guess I am actually So if I'm only TNA watching now. 15 minutes a week on YouTube and it's Matt Hardy, I can... 15 minutes a week is not saturation point for me for Matt Hardy. I still find him delightful. Delightful. Yeah, no, I'll just say TNA as a whole then. Yeah, they're, they're on <laughs> a downward spiral. TNA as a whole. That's really what I wanted to say. Matt Hardy still falls into so bad it's good. Matt Hardy is so great... But the fact that TNA is just kind of putting the company on the back of of not even him, but the idea of him, if of, that makes any sense. They're putting it on the back of this like weird telenovela concept that only works in his storyline. Yeah. So they can't really translate it to success anywhere else mm-hmm. because they can't commit to it with any other characters. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like if WWE decided to have the whole segment where it was legitimately The Undertaker taking Big Show out to the desert and leaving him there to die. I mean, they kind of tried to do that with the Enzo-Rusev storyline where they tried mm-hmm. to go Attitude Era and it just was icky. Yeah. That whole storyline. A lot of how Lana is handled is just gross. Yeah. They're, they book her in a way that just makes they, they me uncomfortable. The people backstage can't decide if they like Lana. That's the, That's the big issue. And uh, we'll do best and worst match as well. And then we'll get out of here. Uh, my favorite match was the two out of three falls match in Charlotte. Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. I thought there was great storyline. Did they have a two out of three falls? Or are you thinking of the Oh, no, match? the uh, falls count anywhere. Falls Excuse count me. anywhere. Falls count anywhere. Okay. It was just good storytelling. 
It was interesting. It had an ending. I was very surprised. All the spots made sense and were like really well done. It was good ring psychology. Like I really, I thought it was a well booked match. It was one of their few. Charlotte and Sasha have done great work, Mm -hmm. but just awful booking. Yeah. And that was the one that like really, that was the only one that afterwards I was like, this is awesome. This is the greatest thing ever. Oh my God. It's the only one that, like, the finish was like, holy crap, what just happened? Every other time I was just kind of, like, kind of feeling what was probably going to happen. That was the only one that, like, legit shocked me. And so when she choice. When she got Charlotte to tap on the, like, the railing, the railing. between the seats, I oh. was like, it was just, it looked horrible. Like, yeah. it, it looked painful. Mm-hmm. Not horrible, like, it looked poorly done. But, like, it looked like Charlotte genuinely yeah. had to tap because it hurt. Charlotte makes the, the banks. Instead of really some good. of the submissions that you're just like, you're fine. Cena's submissions where you're like, well, you're just, like, vaguely uncomfortable. I- I'm torn. I want to say uh, the the DIY uh, Revival 2 out of 3 Falls match. Because that match is, is legitimately mind-blowing. Uh, but just because of the emotional relationship in it and just because it was something I had never seen before, I'm going to say Mike Quackenbush, Mike Quackenbush versus uh, Johnny Kidd in the retirement match in the World of Sports match. Just because I've never seen a World of Sports match, which is seven rounds, two pinfalls, two submissions, or a knockout is how you win. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they told this amazing story of two guys that are this is their last match. Both of them are, you know, Mike's coming out of retirement. This is kids' retirement match who are great friends and doing the thing that they love most and having a great time and watching that slowly turn into I have to win my last match. I have to win this match was so well done. And just like, it's a world of sports match, so it's all about holds and like submissions and getting out of things. And, like, to see a completely different style of wrestling match after being a wrestling fan for so long. Just to, to see something so simple and so new to me was just such a really cool experience. I think it's a really underrated psycho- uh, psychological story for wrestlers to tell of having them actually be friends. Yeah. I, the heel versus face formula is so simple. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it could benefit from more tweeners, more... I, I love matches where... One of my favorite matches of all time was Punk Taker. Yeah. When, like, you were singing, saying, like, you know, Undertaker, CM Punk. Yeah. And you found yourself yelling both. Yeah. Because, like, you would have been... And running out of hair. Going crazy with whoever won. And WWE did a great job with Ciampo versus Gargano during the Cruiserweight Classic. And, like... They, they they played with that, like, that whole... By the end of that match, you're really not sure what happened. Because there is this thing where it's like, Ciampa's going for this move and then doesn't do it because he doesn't want to hurt Gargano. Because that's his friend. Right. But there's also this moment of, like, is Gargano playing him? Like, is he playing that friendship card right now? Which they kind of tried to replicate with Kendrick and Perkins. Yeah. And unsuccessfully. Just unsuccessfully. <laughs> oh, man, that was a mess. Yeah, it was gross. But that that match is another great. It was that without the subtlety. Yeah. And uh, plug time. 
uh, you can get that Quackenbush match on Chikaratopia. And uh, and it, you should. And you should. It's free for your first week. Check it out. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So there's that. And uh, worst match, real quick. Uh, I'm going to say Triple H, Roman Reigns, WrestleMania. Because, man, just, like WrestleMania should have been over. I legitimately got up and took a shower during that match. Like, I, I didn't care. And, like, it felt like no one cared because because The Rock went so long. Right. That match didn't start until WrestleMania was supposed to have already been over. And then it was a half hour of you waiting for what you knew what was going to happen. I, I, and the alternative to, like... Because everyone's like... Roman yeah, Reigns is, is going to win. Roman Reigns to win. If they had done the alternative at that point, which was Triple H going over, I think I would have still been angry. <laughs> it's like, oh... This is just weird and gross now. I mean, WWE does that do that like myopic booking of when you have that foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. Think about everybody is crazy about the ending of WrestleMania 30 because yeah. nobody saw Seth Rollins coming. Or 31, 31 rather. 31. Nobody saw Rollins coming. Yeah. And then when he came out and cashed, it's remembered as one of the better modern WrestleMania moments. Yeah. Because it was crazy. Yeah, it was, and it and it made logical sense. Still, it still made sense, but it wasn't yeah. a foregone conclusion. It wasn't exactly. like okay, we just gotta. Somebody on Reddit asked recently, "What do you want out of WrestleMania 33?" And my response was, "I want to not know the ending of WrestleMania 33 by the time the Royal Rumble ends, because that happens way too often." I think about it as like Disney movie booking. Of, like, at the end of a Disney movie, you know the hero is going to come out. Yeah. And it's it doesn't work in wrestling because the audience is supposed to be a little older. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of... That's why I love the idea of people being in both sides of the wrestlers' camp. Of people yeah. liking both guys and someone's going to be disappointed. And that makes an interesting story and it makes you care about both wrestlers in a way that you don't care... Yeah. When there's a foregone conclusion. Wrestling should be booked that the main event of WrestleMania is the match that we've been building towards, not the moment we've been building towards. Right. You know, if you look at just the storyline elements, we've been building to the moment where Roman Reigns has become champion. It's much better when we were building to the match between Rock and Austin that was finally going to happen. Like, that's that's the way it should be done. I think the exception is 30 with Daniel Bryan, because that was actually 30. Not 31, like I thought. I mixed them yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 30 with Daniel Bryan, because we still kind of believed we weren't going to get it. Yeah, we, we wanted that moment, and they kept it like from us for a while. Uh, that, that whole thing is... I'm going to start a web series very soon where I discuss wrestling and its psychology. It's going to be cool. So there, there's, a, there's a spoiler. That's what you get for staying to the end of this podcast, is learning the, of my new YouTube show, which will be coming soon. I'm working on it. It's hard, guys. It's hard to make YouTube shows. Uh, so that's going to be it for uh, 2016. Hooray! I know it's already 2017 by the time you're listening to it, but... Uh, Sorry, 2017 by the time we recorded it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, plugs there? <laughs> Lovely Laura? Uh, PrettyNerdyThings.com. We're going to start posting content again, I swear. Yeah, the new year. Uh, we've fallen behind because we kind of fell into the same hole everybody else on the planet did. Yep. Um, we're going to start a YouTube presence as soon as I figure out exactly what format that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So yay! We're going to start doing stuff. Stuff. Things. Uh, check out plus2comedy.net. It's our new website. Yay! I'm also working on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you can see Laura there. Uh, you can follow us on the Twitter and on the Tumblers and all that good stuff. Uh, also, be sure to give us five stars on our iTunes, five stars on Stitcher. Vote for us on PodcastLine.com, which, you know what? I haven't checked is even still a thing. So what I want you to do is see if PodcastLine.com is still a thing, and then vote for us while you're there. Yep. On Twitter, it's plus number two comedy and pretty nerdy blog. Yes, pretty nerdy blog. At pretty nerdy blog. Uh, and uh, as always, we'd like to uh, thank Ben Affleck for making the show possible and uh, running over Will with a forklift so bad that he's not here. Good job, Ben. <laughs> uh, we will return to our regular scheduled programming sometime in January. Thank you so much for listening. Look for late January, I would imagine. Yes. This is the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Yay! Thank you guys so much. Yay!